Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. Get excited. You are in for a wild ride. Today's guest is, she's a firecracker. She's so full of life. When I first met her, she truly touched my soul. Like I just knew from the moment I met her that we were going to be friends. We connected on this soul level. So I'm so excited to share with you Ella Lucas Averett. She is a businesswoman, a part-time triathlete, a keynote speaker, and the host of the On Air with Ella podcast, a show for anyone looking to live better, feel better, and have some fun along the way. Ella claims her greatest superpower is trial by error. And she loves to bring her audience along the way with her in her pursuit of living her very best life, one step at a time, starting now. Hello, Super Expanders. Welcome back. How are we doing? How are you feeling today? You know what? I'm feeling like over here, super excited. What a special day. I am about to share with you a woman who literally she just like knocked my socks off the moment. I met her and I know the same is going to happen for, for you. Welcome, Ella, Elizabeth Lucas Everett. Hold on, I just said it. We were just laughing about this. Averett. See, I, I think, did I do that on purpose? Maybe. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a bit. <laughs> you can call me Ella. See, that's why I go by my initials. Elizabeth Lucas Averett is just more than anyone should ever have to say in a day. So hi, I'm Ella and I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so before we hit record, we were talking about this phobia of, of of saying names, which is why I was kind of messing with you there. But I have got to tell you a story about how I really messed up someone's name, and you're literally going to fall over and just die. But I'll say that for one second because I'd love to give everyone a little bit of context about how we met and how we came to be sitting here having this conversation. So. Ella and I just met actually, I don't know, like maybe two weeks ago. And I feel like I've known That's Ella already for just maybe like the entirety of my life. And so we, we met at a, a women's retreat, if you will. It was a, a group of women coming together to really, I think this is where we're going to dive into this too, we, to really support each other and get to know each other on a different kind of level and a different kind of context than I think most people are really accustomed to these days. And we're going to circle back to that. So i got to tell you this story because it's too funny to, to not tell you. And so I used to teach Pilates many, many years ago, and I was teaching at Equinox. And with this phobia I have around names, I had, I had like six clients at the time whose names 
for Jennifer, okay? Not kidding. Six clients named Jennifer. And some were like Jen, Jennifer, variations, all the things. And so I had in this phobia thing, they just stopped me saying people's names, period, ever. And one evening, I'm in the studio with someone else, and shit, they're teaching their clients, and we're like bantering back and forth, and it's like, was happening, same, same people, but it was six or seven weeks in a row, this was happening. And my friend, who was the other instructor, was like, Corey, you know, you've never introduced us to your client. And I was like, oh, crap. Because right in that moment, I knew I did not know her name. Like, I knew her name, but I'd also been working with her for a year. And I literally was like, dear, in the headlights. And I sat there and I looked at her. And it was really too long. And I looked at my at my friend and I looked at my client. And I was like, so are you going to introduce yourself? Yeah, you're like, so I think you can do, can do that yourself. Thank you so much. And she turned We're all adults here. Oh, it gets even better because she's like, you don't know my name. And I was like, of course I do know your name. <laughs> Silly. She let me sit there and squirm for a while. And then she finally said her name. And I was like, see, I told you. Jen. Jennifer. Jen. <laughs> the panic is real and everyone can relate to that. And you know what? We're human. It happens. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that they're working with somebody for that long and I didn't know her name? Yes. Yes, because you, there's a there's a graph, if we were to graph this, and there's a point of no return. Okay, so there's this short period, and then there's this point of no return where it is super, super weird if you ask. <laughs> and I have this thing when I meet new people, like particularly when I meet new neighbors, I say, Hey, I'm Ella, but you are allowed to forget my name for the first six months. And and it's like this beautiful because then you see each other walking each other's dog and things like that. And you're like, hey, you <laughs> you know you've met them once or twice and you're supposed to know and you don't. So that's my new thing is because once I put that out, then I'm allowed equally to forget theirs. That's that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Oh, I think you're gonna try this. I like this. Yeah, it works at dinner parties. <laughs> <laughs> so what's my name? <laughs> hey you I'm happy to be here you're like hold on let me highlight let me, let me highlight zoom you're like gosh i hope that that's actually her name <laughs> because if you've ever done that before two people are like on someone else's profile or they don't go by the name that's in the thing or they put their business name instead of their name like Oh, many, many times, my friend. And we were giggling because as a podcaster myself, I cannot tell you how many times I freak out thinking halfway through an interview, you know, live, essentially, that I've I've completely lost the ability to say that person's name correctly. I'm saying it wrong or I'm calling them by the wrong name. It's a phobia. And I and it's it's oh, it's a weird mental trick. And I don't get it. But man, do I understand it. And by the way, I also have a new trick there. If you are starting a call with somebody and you don't know how to pronounce their name, you don't have to be a podcaster for this to be useful since everybody's using Zoom these days. If you, you can say, oh, can you say you're, actually, this would be weird in anywhere else other than podcasting. <laughs> I changed my mind. But I say, hey, can you state your name for the record, please? And it almost, when you're, when you're like about to do a podcast, it sounds like a legal thing that you're doing. Like they're voluntarily there or something. It just sounds very official. And really, it's just my way of figuring out how the hell to pronounce it. <laughs> I'm going to need you to state your name for the record. Slowly. Like, it's like a journalism trick because you can't take it back once you stated your name. Enunciate. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, we can sit quite sit here and just like go all over the place with both of our kind of like squirrel brains here. And we'd entertain the entire audience with just a, a bunch of, of nonsense, I suspect. <laughs> but <laughs> let's dive into the deep stuff. Who is Ella deep down? Who, her soul to her core? Who are you? I, I mean, I know because when I met you, I just like could feel your soul, but you got to share it with us for the listening. Okay, just a fun, light question. Um, fillet my soul right out of the gate. Um, you know what? I am, what comes up for me immediately when you ask me that is I am a work in progress. So I view myself with heavy dose of humor as a work in progress. And I always say my greatest superpower is trial and error. <laughs> like I'm here for it all. And half the time I will fall flat on my face. And many times I will take like, you know, my community, I swear I started a podcast, Corinne, just so that I could bring people along for the trial and error journey. But um, I'm here for it. So me, I'm a work in progress, very open to new experiences, very willing to fail at them, prefer not to. Um, and that's kind of the story of my life. I love that. So what I actually heard there was you are a masterpiece in progress. You're... Okay, can you just follow me around for the rest of my life, please? Is that too much to ask? How about like just Thursdays? Just Thursdays. I mean, we can start with Thursdays and we can add from there. <laughs> I like it. Oh my gosh. So when I, I also share that when I first met you, I knew instantly that if we had hung out and known each other in high school, I would have been in so much trouble. I might have gone to jail. I'm sure of it because... The, the sort of energy that's like back and forth. I was like, like her, her energy, like kind of like eggs me on to like try to be funnier or or wittier or like, oh, can I can I outdo you with the humor? Which would have just totally, I'm sure, with like alcohol or something involved in high school, I would have been like, I should go do this really crazy thing. And you'd be like, that's a great idea. Do it. We would, it. <laughs> we would definitely have matching tattoos by now. But here's the deal. You were definitely way cooler than I was in high school. Like in high school, I was an age appropriate troll. And I have to say, I do not understand what is going on in the world right now. I, I, I've opened TikTok. Okay. <laughs> I see the interwebs. Why are 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds all models now? I don't understand this at all. Like what happened to the phase you went through where you were supposed to be in transition I had a unibrow. I was very like, I was the work in progress in a different way, Corrine. And I'm not sure I was a, was a little bit dorky. I'm not sure if you would have played with me or not. However, I was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> we were all dorky. We were all had the like awkward days. But these, I mean, this, you know, this TikTok generation, they all have their own reality TV channel, essentially. That's what's going on, right? So it's a lot of pressure. And they know how to contour. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like I should have, we should have had this conversation the other day because I saw the most wild video on contouring. This girl with her nose did this thing and I was like, I, I, I still don't know. I'm in my late 40s and I don't have a clue, but here we are. So, okay. Well, back, back to the serious, the serious stuff. So you're a work in progress and how has that played out in your professional life? Being a work in progress. I feel like when I hear that, what I think is like in so many ways that had to have served you really, really well, because in our careers and the things that we do, we really have to be willing to make mistakes and take risks and be willing to do them and in a public way. 
Yes, 1000%. And in all seriousness, I think it's been directly relevant and impactful. And what I mean by that in the work world, to give you a little bit of color there. So I went to business school a hundred years ago. So in my mid twenties, I went to business school and I started a business not too long after that because I did not want to be placed in a big corporation by the, the business schools love when they can place you places because that's what they're there for. They're like, you know, they are recruitment machines for large corporations, consulting companies, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, no, I go my own way. And they were like, that's not really how this works. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm working out. So I, a few years later, started my own business with a couple of other people. And the three of us formed a consulting company, which is still how I earn a living today. So I actually, my business is in, you know, high corporate, uh, industrial sectors like aerospace and, and federal and defense and, and things like that. And I, had no idea what I was doing 20 years ago when I started my company. Ignorance was bliss. I had, I, I mean, I truly didn't understand the risk that I was taking and I did not understand the fear that I would have now intellectually if I were to do the same thing. Instead, I left and I kind of knit the net in the air, if you know. And part of that is youth for sure. And part of it was also necessity. I was the primary breadwinner for me. And it was 100% necessary to support myself. And I believe that an open mindedness and a willingness to fail has seen me through that journey, which has been interesting, because it's it's quite literally been 19 years, it'll be 20 years in January. And that is something that I'm proud of. But it's also been a journey, my friend. And so there are other ventures that I've started in the interim. And there are businesses that, that I've started that have failed, businesses that I've bought into that have failed. There are businesses that I've bought into and sold. Then I started a podcast and a community seven years ago. And I think all of that takes a willful ignorance to the consequences of failure. And I don't mean failure doesn't exist. I mean that you have to be willing to subject yourself to that, which is super easy to say into a microphone and very difficult to do on a day-to-day basis. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So what are your tips for people to basically fail forward? What, how, How do you willfully do that? Yeah, yeah. And I love that you said fail forward because... You know, it's very popular now. There are lots of internet uh, tropes out there that are like, fail often, fail faster. And I'm like, failing sucks still. (laughs) So yeah, we can fail often, we can fail faster. And that's definitely a sign that we're out there in it and that we're showing up. But I think that that also does a disservice, a disservice rather, to the pain of falling short. And it doesn't even have to be in business cream. It can be in a relationship. I've had a I am very, very happy to report that I am happily married. I am in a very, very rich, robust relationship now. But guess what? I failed at marriage too. I had a marriage failure. I had a divorce in my 20s. And so that type of failure is not something I want to fail fast and fail often at. So like, you know, the internet wisdom does not work for me there. And so I think that when we reduce failure to like these tropes, we cheapen the human experience and we make it 10 times harder for people to move past it. 
So, so, so there are two things I would say to answer your question. One is honor it. It's real. It exists. And, and the only way around it is through it. Right. And then the other thing to say is though, I think that our fear of falling short wears a lot of different outfits. I think it shows up in the form of perfectionism. I think it shows up in the form of procrastination. I think it shows up in the form of not good enoughness or a fear of showing up, um, busyness. There are all these other outfits that fear puts on to show up in our lives and keep us from, from doing the thing. And so one of my tips, I suppose, would be to recognize when we're self-sabotaging or we're not doing the thing that our spirit is telling us, is calling us to do, is to sit with ourselves and ask ourselves, what am I actually afraid of here? Because again, fear is very sneaky and it wears a lot of different outfits to keep us from doing the thing. Oh, yeah, you, you nailed it right there. And I mean, obviously fear is there with the attempt to, to keep us safe. So I, one of those sort of like circulating around the, the Instagram saying, but I do, I think something that landed for me and really, oh, you're right. And they say that failure is feedback. When I finally started to let that one actually sink in, was was actually a game changer for me in terms of my perception of failure. And I think that you have to look at that also same way with like wearing many hats. Sometimes that feedback is that the thing isn't wasn't meant for you. Um, sometimes it's an adjustment. Sometimes it's a redirection. And it's no matter what it is, the idea of getting quiet and a little bit introspective and asking yourself the deeper questions and allowing yourself to really see and hear and feel the answers. And you said something else that's really important. You said that it's it's failing forward. And a, a model that I like to share with a visual, but I'll try to describe it right now, is we always think of our lives as so linear, right? And when someone is successful and they're standing on stage and they're sharing their success journey, it sounds so linear. And that's because they're looking retrospectively and they're like, I did A, then I did B, then I did C, and I ended up here. And the truth is, like, I don't know about you, but that ain't been my experience. <laughs> like, it's really not the experience of anyone else that I'm in the trenches with. It sounds neat and tidy when you're looking backward, but when you're in it and going forward, you know, it's all blue sky and green fields. Like we don't know, it, we're, you're building it as you go. And I say that because when we fail, when we hit a wall, when we fall short, when we make a fool of ourselves, when we step in it, when we drop a ball, it feels like we were on this linear path and we ran into a wall and sometimes we smack our faces and we fall down. And sometimes we're like, Oh, we climb over that wall or we dismantle it. And that linear expression is no more true going forward than it is in retrospect. And so the visual that I like to share with everyone is a spiral. Like think of a spiral going up, 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 right? It's iterating over and over and over again. And even if you take a profound failure, let's take a business failure and you lose a ton of money and it doesn't succeed, you can never fall all the way back to zero. That's not happening. You can't unlearn the things that you learned. You can't unreceive the feedback that that failure taught you. You can't become the person you were before the failure. So you fell a little bit, you took a backward step, let's say, on your little, on your little journey there, but it's a spiral. So you're just, you just took, a, it feels like a setback. 
And it feels a little harder to go forward and to iterate and to level up and to level up. But you're never falling back to zero. There's nothing anyone can do to take those lessons and those learnings away from you. When you realize that, the idea of falling short or smacking into that wall, to me, feels a little less intimidating. I love that perspective. Yeah, and I think even too, when you start to think of it as a spiral, and that like that first step of getting restarted being difficult, but once you get going, there's actually that sort of there's a momentum, there's this like inertia that actually pulls you up rather than sucking you back down. Yes. Oh yes. See, you're on fire because momentum is the other keyword. Like we keep waiting for motive. Have you ever? Have you like? Maybe someone can relate to this. Either there's a thing you want to do and you're just like waiting for the motivation to do it. You might not even admit it that way, but you're like, you keep putting it off, you keep putting it off. And then I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll even observe other people doing a thing out in the world. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'll have what she's having. or I wish I wish I had the motivation to do that. Or you might use another word like discipline, or you might think that they're more better resourced than you are. And it just this comparison thing. And, and I, I have a whole keynote called the myth of motivation because I feel so passionately about this. Motivation ain't where it's at. If you take any action, I think you'll find that inspiration tends to be found on the other side of starting, not before starting. And so the word I replace motivation with in my vernacular is momentum because action begets action. So even that tiniest, tiniest step forward. That's whether it's post failure when you're tr- or when you're trying to get off the sofa, <laughs> you know, the tiniest action begets action and thus momentum is created. And that is such a different energy and such a different sort of mm, thing to focus on than sort of waiting for motivation to land on you like a magical thing. You know oh what I mean? Gosh. Yeah, it's true. Well, I, think, I mean, motivation, much like confidence comes once you start to see results, right? So it's like you said, it's on, on the other side and it's a place where a lot, a lot of us get it wrong. If you're waiting to feel like it, to have the feeling of like, Oh, okay. All this work is going to be worth it. You, you don't know. There's a bit of trust that you have to just decide that you're just going to do it. You have to decide and just do. And when you do that, that's when right, the momentum starts to happen. And then the, then it's consistency that comes in with that too, because it's the reps, right? We have to put the reps in it at whatever it is that we're doing to start to see the results, which create the motivation, which create the confidence. Yeah. You know, you, you do such great work with people and their money mindset and that sort of thing. And it just makes me think of compounding interest. So I don't care how small your action is. Let's say it's a one cent action. If you're putting in one cent on Tuesday and then you're putting in just two cents on Tuesday, on Wednesday, you know, the, the, the art of building toward what you want, whether it's a business goal, a fitness goal, a physical goal of some sort or a relationship goal, the, the art and the concept of putting forth the tiniest action you can muster that day. I just don't think it can be understated. It's just not sexy. It's not sexy to be like, do the smallest thing you can. You know, everyone wants to be like, take massive action, burn the boats. And I'm like, or do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Or. (laughs) Oh, I love, love that. Do anything. That's like, um, 
It's the new Nike slogan, I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah, literally do anything, I beg you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, so good. All right, well, so your this idea of of momentum in your career, in your business, in this partnership that you've had going on now for, for 20 years. Let's talk about that. How has it served you there? Just like 20 years having a, a, a consultancy, a business, that's like a, that's a long time, right? That's massive proof of having to move through the things and hitting the bumps, hitting the wall and continuing to show up regardless. Yeah, with me, that type of mindset is helpful when I'm working with clients. So I work with executives and I help them, you know, execute on their vision or flow their vision down through communication and strategy and tactics to their teams. And I work with companies that tend to be like really rapid growth companies or they're bracing themselves for rapid growth. And, but they're not like, you know, they're not calling Deloitte. They're, they're, they don't have such a maturity of process that they're calling like teams of guys in suits and, they still want to flex. They still want to be agile. They still want to work with um, someone that's a little bit unconventional. Um, and that would be me. I'm not the most corporate animal you've ever seen in your life. You may have noticed. <laughs> and so sharing with them, because again, these big sexy ideas and like do it all at once. Like that's a very, like, that's, that's a very popular wisdom right now. And so actually taking big visions and taking big plans and breaking them into digestible chunks and starting immediately is to me a much more powerful and effective way to execute in business. And so that has served me well there. But I think really to honor the spirit of your question, the truth is for me, that has served me so well. And I've had to constantly remind myself, in the world of community building and my podcast platform and working in media and working, you know, with in, in building audience engagement for seven years, Corrine, with the On Air with Ella podcast. And it is so easy to fall prey to the comparison game or to, to get completely burnt out because it's exhausting. Like it's hard work and I love it. And I wouldn't, I mean, I love it and I live for it. And I love my community so, 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 so much. But, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of you. It's a lot of you. And I have to just breathe. And I have to say, okay, you know, and I have to put my mind. I try to think of one person listening and like, how can I deliver value to that one person? And I try to focus on the smallest things so that I don't like try to take on the world and do all the things. <laughs> I have a question for you. Have you joined the super expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. It is such good advice. I thought the one person, A, just knowing that and focusing on the message you're delivering 
impacting one person because the ripple effect of impacting just one person mm-hmm. is actually a massive impact and one to be celebrated. But kind of back to that idea of people wanting to, you know, they want a thousand people in the audience when they do an event. They want to have, you know, a million followers on Instagram. And that's the only way that you're actually making real impact. It's like, no, actually, if you are talking to one person and you shift and change something for them, that's a massive win. Well, I have a confession and I don't know if I'm going to regret this, call you and tell you to cut it out, but... <laughs> I have the record. (laughs) Did this happen? Okay. No, I'm just kidding, but not really. Um, I am really actually referring, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm really referring to the social media game because I, my, my podcast audience is amazing. And I have had, I can say, look at the numbers and say, Oh my God, I've had over 2 million downloads. Like that's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. But you go to my Instagram. And I don't have the the number of followers that the world tells you you're supposed to have. And I'm like, I look like job. <laughs> I'm, I'm real busy. <laughs> and I'm also not 22. Um, no one needs to see a bathroom selfie of this. So so building a social media presence was never important to me. And I can tell just us, just us right now. That it's actually like, it feels a little embarrassing because people, I've interviewed Olympic athletes. I've interviewed really successful authors. I've interviewed people that I am so humbled to have been able to spend time with regardless of their job and whether the world knows them or not. And Corrine, when someone goes to vet me, they can't see the number of people in my podcast community. They Where do they go? They're going to the social medias. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, oh, but that's not... Like, that's not who I am. And that's not what I do. And I'm not interested in building that. And I, and I have this whole like, angsty thing about it. And a little bit of that comparison thing going on there. And it's so silly. But it's also not silly, because it is a currency in the world that we live in. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate and fortunate, I will say. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Social media, I actually have met some really amazing cool people through social media that I never would have actually met or be able to nurture relationships in that way. So I think when we view it from that kind of lens, but when we look at these metrics that really, they don't actually matter, that becomes a problem. And we all do it too, because it's like if someone sends you a message and potentially let's, let's imagine you got a cold pitch for someone to come onto your podcast. The first thing we do when there's someone slides in their DMs asking, we go right over to their, their profile and we look and we're Absolutely. guilty of the thing that we don't want to be judged on either. So it's like, how do, how do we start to change this? Because they're like, oh, well, they have like only 100 followers or I really want to talk to them. <laughs> I mean, I'd be yeah. lying to say if that wasn't the case. Because then, because it's the first thing of like, am I going to spend my time to dig a little deeper to then kind of look to see if I really want to get to know them versus, right? It's kind of like, I, I've never really done the, the online dating thing, but it's kind of the same thing, right? You only have these like certain, oh, or like when you're hiring them for a job, right? You look at a resume, you have these, you know, I guess KPIs for lack of a better thing mm-hmm. that you're looking at. And if they don't get past the first stage, if they don't hit them. Totally. I mean, I, I joke because I think, I mean, if you're dating now, your Instagram profile is like your personal branding page, right? <laughs> so yeah it is what it is um and i just think it's funny that i have done so much work 
in all of these different areas. You know, I've had the privilege of learning all these personal development tools. I'm interested in it. But then I also talk to like the most fascinating experts and I get to meet people like you who enrich my life. And then I'm sitting here. I'm like, you have the Instagram. <laughs> we all have our own work to do. But truly, I mean, we're never on the other side of it. We're, oh, we are man. nothing but works in progress. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a mountain with no top. That is for sure. <laughs> and speaking of, of social media and, and tropes, I feel like we, we were kind of marinating on this before. And the one, the, the women supporting women, I feel like you can go there. Oh, yes. This is even a part of how we interpret the followers and all of the things, right? Because it's, I don't know. I'm going to give you just the soapbox to stand on for a moment to open up the conversation on women supporting women. Girl, (laughs) get comfortable. (laughs) Okay. First of all, I have to set the table by confessing that I would say for the first 30 years of my life, I did not invest heavily in female friendships. I had a best, 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 best friend growing up. And she was my bestie and we were sisters and we were ride or die. And she broke my heart. She was like probably the first person to ever break my heart. And I'm sure I was no prize to her either, but I'm just saying my, like that friendship breakup devastated me. And I realize now, you know, a thousand years later that I think it made me a little skittish and just other experiences that you have. If you're growing up in the world as a female and you maybe go to middle school or high school. Okay. So you have some not ideal experiences, right. With your peers. So all that to say that I just always, I was one of those girls who was like, Oh, it's just easier to get along with guys. Now I wasn't like out there screaming for guys attention, but I definitely found it easier to just be buds with them. And I had two brothers and it just, you know, it just, it just was easier. Well, it was also a bit lazier. And it also, I was missing out on an enormous amount. And I know that now. So I think it's important to humble myself and to share that with you so that when I tell you that when I started holding events with my podcast community, you know, like attracts like. And so I don't mean I attracted people exactly like myself, but I did attract people who want the same things in their lives, who have similar values and they want more of what they want and less of what they don't. Right. And I, my first event was in Arizona and it changed my life. I had never spent a weekend with 45 women before, Corinne, like that had never happened. And I swear to you, I got more out of that than they did almost. They might need a refund because I got so much out of it and it absolutely blew my socks off. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have been missing out on the true enriching power of women who genuinely lift each other up and are really like want the best for each other and your light shining doesn't dim theirs and all all those all those weird complex dynamics and that one experience set me on a course so flash forward year you know several several years later and now I'm a part of the chief women's executive community and I'm trying to be really active in that I joined a nonprofit by women for women um I jumped on a plane and met went and spent a weekend where I met you with a bunch of women I'd never met in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) And it ended up being one of the most impactful. I mean, how great was that? It was the best weekend ever. Right. And I, and one of the reasons I have to say 
that I, or let me, one of the demonstrations of that vibe and that power is meeting you. So I want to brag about you for a minute or just honor you for a minute and say that, you know, you, when you meet people, if you're tuned in, energy can sense energy, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you get in a room full of strangers and some people might have social anxiety or nervousness or anything like that, that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that vibe where people feel a bit cagey or they're trying to get the sum of you before they decide how they're going to treat you. And like, there's that vibe. None of that. That entire weekend, none of that. But but when you and I met, it was just like, inst- I mean, I instantly wanted, I don't know how to describe this. You're, I love your energy so much. And connecting with other women in that realm is so incredibly powerful that when I land on that and when I connect with people who I know we want the best for each other, I know that's a really cheesy way to say it. Like, I don't let them go too easily. <laughs> so... <laughs> I just think it's such a special, special thing. And I know that was, I mean, I've barely scratched the surface, but I should come up for air and see if it we're tracking. <laughs> it was such a special weekend. I knew that when I walked in to, well, you were asleep when, when I got there, but in the morning when I got to, to meet everyone, like awake and after coffee and all the things, it's like, wow. I don't think that I have actually felt that in the circle of women where you literally didn't have to, like, you could just 100% be yourself with, when you, I know very often, usually I've gone to so many women's groups and different things, kind of searching, trying to find a, a group where you kind of would land and fit in and feel like this. But there was always this, like, element of, of holding back because you had to either protect yourself. There was some sort of agenda. And you could feel that people in there had an agenda or they weren't trusting and they didn't show up with the same kind of, I guess, openness. And it was definitely a very, very special weekend. And I knew, I knew when I met you. <laughs> well, and here's what the alternative looks like. The alternative, and, you know, you let me know if you've had this experience, allegedly, hypothetically, reportedly. I've had a lot of interactions with with women who make noises of support, but don't like they're the it's theoretical only. And what I mean by that is, you know, we both interact with a lot, a lot, a lot of people in the different uh, spaces that we occupy. And there are I don't I sound like I'm picking on women because that's not really what I mean. But. If you're in the same professional space as another woman, it is very, very common that they're going to be protective before they are supportive. And that is just a phenomenon or a pattern that I don't want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of the problem. And I actively want to be a part of the solution. So the way that shows up in my life is twofold. One is if I connect with somebody else that has that energy, like, we're besties. <laughs> so, hi, I live here now. Like we, <laughs> I just, that there's nothing more powerful than kick-ass women uplifting one another and mentioning each other's names in a room full of opportunities or celebrating when the other one shines. Like there's nothing more powerful than that. And I'm addicted to that feeling. The second thing is I want to be a part of that and demonstrate that. So a part of my life now and part of my commitment to that is actively seeking out ways to amplify the women that I know that have something to say or something to contribute or, again, mention their name in a room full of opportunities and feel 
no fear and feel no like, well, what about me? Or what is that going to cost me? Or, you know, treating life and success like it's a pie. And if you get a bigger piece, then that means less for me. It, it ain't a pie. There's no pie. <laughs> There's infinite abundance and we can share. It's funny that you say that. I was actually just reading um, the book, The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. Have you ever read that book? No. So there's a chapter in there on the myth of scarcity. And I feel like it applies very well to this because basically we are born almost like, and it's on this generational, almost like a cellular level that scarcity has been sold to us and outside of the context of money, but applying it here in this, in the sense of, of women, supporting women is this idea that when we wake up in the morning, from the very moment thinking we don't have enough, we don't have enough sleep, we don't have enough time, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough this, we don't have enough opportunities to possibly share them. And in even that context, I was, I was at an event and the speaker said that this is where women really get it wrong is that men have been playing basically wealth and opportunity as a team sport forever. And women don't play it as a team sport. And it's like, if you help create another opportunity for another woman, and another woman creates another opportunity for another woman, there is no such thing as scarcity. You just know that women are going to continuously be opening doors for every single woman. And by the sheer fact that you're a woman in the presence of a woman, it just amplifies power exponentially. And let's look at it through a totally self-serving lens, okay? This, and this is not my motivation, but it has the happy virtue of being true. And I think it's worth saying when you can facilitate other people's success, that is a confidence builder for you. It is a skill builder for you. And it is a demonstration of your own credibility. So, I mean, again, it's a win, win, win. Um, and I think some really like to make this really, really practical, that can just be mentoring someone that's in your, you know, a family friend that can be um, offering to help someone in the workplace, obviously. But it, it can also be if you hear of an opportunity, that's not an option for you, or of interest to you, or even if it is that you can send three people that way to, to share in said opportunity. And I just find that sort of a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, and I just would encourage anyone listening, if this resonates with anyone, it's just to like, again, take the tiniest step, like write caption, write a comment under somebody's social media post today, like do something to amplify another woman. It's like, it's like micro dosing happiness. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And when we show up, I think with actual altruistic value, like, you know, energy, it all comes back to you, right? It becomes this ripple effect. It is, it's contagious. It, just all of it. It's such a powerful thing. So really start supporting women. You mean that hashtag when you put it under the, like, don't just put it. You have to embody it and like exemplify it, right? Live it. <laughs> Be it. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so here, here's the, the big question, the one that everyone's been waiting for. On this journey, there had to have been someone who's been super standard for you, in, whether it's in life, whether it's in business, whether it's in relationship. I'd love to hear a super standard story from you. 
Oh, golly. Okay. If I keep it short, can I tell you two? One professional yeah. and one personal. Okay. So professionally, I have a creative partner. She and I do a lot of our, like, we do a lot of our women's retreats together. Um, and we do professional workshops together too, because she happens also to be a consultant and a facilitator and a workshop leader and that sort of thing. And it's the first time I've ever had such a serious, like a committed relationship with another professional woman. And it, ha it has changed my life, Corrine, because I have, um, successful business partnerships with men, like, like three really, really important ones in my life. And this is the first time I've had a, a, like I said, this type of partnership with my partner, Tilly, and she, it, it's, it's different and it's special and it is really, really fascinating to be so understood by somebody and to be in such like a safe space to take risks professionally and creatively. And she also is like a psychotherapist. So she's got my number. <laughs> so, so like one joke, just, just when we were back in the days when I actually was trying to grow my Instagram following and I was like sad about it. She was like, are you like, what is your goal? Are you trying to win Instagram? Like, are <laughs> and I, and, and, and she said that in a loving way, not the way I just said it. And I was like, Yes. Like, yes, Tilly, I am trying to win Instagram. So this is, I'm making too much of it, but that's like just one of the ways she keeps me honest and keeps me sort of centered. But having that creative development with somebody else is a very new experience for me. And we've been working together now for, I guess, four or five years. Um, and so that's been really, really fantastic. Someone who will call you on your BS, someone who knows you, but someone who truly wants the best for you. And I, I, I mean, if you have those things, nothing can stop you. So I just feel super, super, super fortunate. So that's the professional one. And then personally, I have to say that I married up in the sense that I am a fiery, short tempered, impatient, lovely creature <laughs> with a great sense of humor who has no domestic skills, but I'm good at other stuff. And I am, I am not really that I'm impatient and I, uh, am very respectful. I don't mean to imply like, I'm not shouty. I'm not rude. I'm not disrespectful, but I'm impatient and I'm fiery and I'm a Leo. And my husband is like water and he's so calming and he's British. So everything he says sounds nice. And he regularly reminds me that like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts in this relationship. And so relationally, he has challenged me and opened me to the concept that, A, like, it's bigger than me, it's bigger than I, and that we are working on something together, uh, that we are working on a piece of art that we are making together, to use one of his analogies, and, like, that will allow for temporary discord, but at the end of the day... Um, he's always the one that seems to sort of bring us back to center and that's humbling. And you have to be willing to be humbled. Um, if you're a Leo, uh, you have to be willing to be humbled, um, and be open to that. Um, I think in order to participate in it. So that's what I work on on the regular, but I'm super grateful that I have someone that even challenges me in that regard. Cause that's new to me. Oh, I love that. What a beautiful dynamic. I, and I'm sure that there's some humbling 
energy that goes right back to your, to your husband because maybe the, the fiery piece of you is the part that really calls him up, right? Yeah, there's probably some truth to that. <laughs> By the way, I said this is new to me. We've been married for like 15 years. <laughs> I told you, I'm a work in progress. It's new. It's new. Shiny. It's fresh. It's fresh. <laughs> baby sets. Like, it's baby sets. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I feel like we all we all need a chili in our our life too. I mean, to have someone who can so lovingly call you out in a way that there's like no judgment, but makes you turn the mirror right on it, and actually, in a certain way, allows you to see the the humor in the things that we're chasing after. Yeah, we all need that. And my goal in life is to be that for more people. And so that's truly like, that's my, that's the thing I'm most grateful for, I think, is I want to emulate the best of what has been given to me. Like, it makes me, again, a rising tide lifts all boats. But I want to, if I'm receiving that gift, then I want to become a beacon for that. Like, I want to bring that to other people. So, and I guess that's part of the, I guess that's part of, the evolution process. I guess, see, see, we came right back to center. We are nothing but works in progress. We're iterating. Yeah. Good. Cl- closing, closing loops, closing loops. I love it. I mean, and kind of in that, in that way, if you had to just like dig up another juicy nugget of, of wisdom, because it's been packed with tons, tons of juicy nuggets, mic drop moments through this entire podcast, but if you have one more shred of wisdom to share, of course, before the next time we come back here and have to do another episode, what would it be? Um, I have to quote somebody else. Um, and that is Arthur Ashe, um, renowned tennis player, no longer with us. And he said on achieving greatness, he said, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. And I love that so much because everyone can start where they are and everyone can use what they have and everyone can do what they can. So that is it. My words of wisdom belong to Arthur Ashe. Oh my gosh, I feel like that connects back to um, momentum, right? Mm-hmm. Perfectly. Look at us just like staying on brand and closing on the loop. Okay, so everyone listening, I know they are dying to get into your world. So let's talk about all the ways from social media to podcasts to all the things. Lay it on. <laughs> Join the 11, the 11 people on Instagram. And <laughs> Just kidding, you guys. I swear I'm not obsessed. It's funny that that's come up a few times. I'm on air with Ella in the socials. And then I'm so easy to find open your podcast app and look for on air with Ella and come join me there. You'll find everything else you need from there. That's the hub. Amazing. Of course, all that will be in the show notes from every time. And you just thought this was just a little snapshot of the wit, humor, the fire. You've got to go listen to on air with Ella. It is a phenomenal podcast. Thanks, Perrine. Thank you so much for being here. I know you are a busy woman, so I just want to say thank you for carving out the time to have this this wonderful conversation. I appreciate you. I am honored. We'll catch you on the next episode. 
If you like what you heard, stop, drop, and leave a five-star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media. 